Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey, this is Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, and you're about to hear another episode that was recorded here at Podmax, an awesome experience for entrepreneurs to get on top-rated shows all in one day. I hope you enjoy. Well, hey there. Good to see you. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. So good to have you with us here uh, where we are recording live out of is a uh, beautiful, historic Trenton. Beautiful. Yes. And, well, in all fairness, there is a big sign when you enter the, the city that says his, historic Trenton. Oh. I did make up the beautiful oh. portion. Well, that's fine. The sign I saw was, we make it, they take it. No. It's on a bridge. Too soon. It's on a bridge. <laughs> I was coming from, coming from, uh, from, from Pennsylvania up into, up into... Uh, up into Trent, Trenton, Trenton. Yes, yes. yes historic, sorry. beautiful, historic, historic. Beautiful Trenton. It is Trenton, and here we are as part of Pod Max. Uh, the day is going. It's Andrew Shenna, ladies and gentlemen, the principal of Capital Equity Partners. What's doing? Not much, man. How are you? Good. Excellent. So, so here thank we are. Thank you for having me. First off, oh. thank you so much. I'm very grateful to, to be on your show and be with your listeners. So thank you. I appreciate that as well. Uh, we're less than halfway through the day. How's it going? It's good. This is amazing, honestly. Like the the people, um, the shows, um, the the topics of discussion, wide ranging, uh, enlightening. I'm learning so much, uh, and and really uh, just a fantastic event. So what what attracted you to this prior to knowing what it really is to you know to experience it? I think is something different than what your impression of it is. But why did you say, yeah, this is somewhere I need to be? So in, in my business, my, my core role in, in, in our business is like I raise capital and find deals. Um, so I had met Eric um, Cabral at Renault. Um, uh, this is about a month and a half ago. And, and this kind of gets into the whole financial education thing. And, uh, my wife, Erin and I had invested, uh, rolled some, uh, retirement funds over into a solo 401k and we invested in Renault. Um, we get to Renault and I met Josh, um, I, Matt Faircloth. So I met Matt at an IMN event in Manhattan, uh, last February of, of 19 and, 
uh, had a great discussion with him then, but hadn't really communicated with him then since. But uh, an investor that invested into our multifamily deal out in Louisville, Kentucky, um, had brought this opportunity to me originally, and I had said I can't, I didn't have time, uh, or I didn't have a didn't didn't have the capacity to take it on at that point. And we had funds that we were trying to roll over into the solo four hundred one k anyways. Um, and when it came back around, he said, well, just watch the webinar. So I see Matt on the webinar with Josh and it was like instant credibility to me. And I'm like, well, if Matt's in this, he knows what he's doing. So I'm like, I know Matt's background. So I started, started going through the, the details of the operation, did all my due diligence on Josh and the asset and the investment. Uh, and we were in. You're talking about the Renault. The Renault investment. Yeah. So, sorry, long story, long, long, I talk, I'm sorry. Um, well, so, you're <laughs> in the wrong place for that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, so anyway, so when we're down there, I, I ended up, um, you know, I met Eric and, and Josh and it was, so it was my wife, Erin, myself, uh, Josh, Eric and, and, uh, Matt sitting at the Renault bar late night and we're just all talking stuff like that. And, um, Eric and I had just chatted for a little bit and he's like, dude, let's talk. I said, yeah, dude, I'd love to know more about what you do. So talked to him a couple of weeks later. And like one of the things that I'm super passionate about is, is educating people on solo 401ks, self-directed IRAs, QRPs to be able to take retirement funds and invest it into real estate. So I'm a big real estate guy, just obviously, no, not obviously, but to begin with. So that's what we do. Um, and I think there's so much power behind that. So uh, Eric and I were, were talking and I know my, I, for what we do in growing our multifamily business, growing our development business, I need, I need more capital um, for our business. And for that, I mean, investors are the lifeblood of our business. So we take that, obviously that relationship very seriously. So, and I know that you know, we've got a great story and we have great service. We've got a great track record. Um, so why not put that out to the world and, and show people what we do and to show people individually if they have interest in real estate and investing in real estate. A lot of people don't consider themselves investors if they just have a W-2 and they have a, a 401k. Um, but that's a lie. They are. They absolutely are investors. And um, what most people don't know is being able to take those types of IRA or 401k monies and to put it into a self-directed IRA or a solo 401k or a QRP vehicle and be able to participate into, it's just a different asset class. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to like, you know, disparage the stock market because um, I, I focus more on real estate. I think that a majority of people set it and forget it uh, in, in the stock market and don't pay attention actually where their money is, what they're paying in fees or, or anything like that. So I look at it and say, well, with self-directed investing, to be able to put it into tangible assets, real assets that are secured and insured. Um, you know, there's obviously risks in every type of investment that you do, and there's, there's plenty of stock market risks. However, there's, you know, it won't, the, the, the real estate risks, they're, they're just as many. And once you understand those and you're educated not only about how to invest into real estate, but understand the asset class and the investments that you can make, the returns on average that I've seen and I've been giving for eight years far outpace what the, the stock market has given to the average investor. You brought up a very interesting point uh, I want to focus on for a minute, which is what really helped seal the deal for your investment in Renault, which you already from another another source, you knew Matt Faircloth mm -hmm. 
And then you saw him associated with the Renault deal. Yes. And your immediate reaction was, well, if he's involved, uh, that really helps my decision further along. That's That's so important because everybody listening could really take that for themselves. How important is what just happened there? And how can we be on the mat side of the equation in our business Mm -hmm. to make sure that we're connecting a certain dot to the person we want to do whatever we're trying to do? Absolutely. Um, It's all about relationships, number one, right? I mean, real estate, as much as technology will eventually come and take over certain aspects of this business, it's always going to be a relationship business. So being able to, um, you know, whether if you're not educated, take the, just educate yourself. And, and now more than ever in any time in history, do you have information at your fingertips, just in your phone that you can watch videos on YouTube? You have a question, type it into the, type it into Google and there'll be videos about it. There'll be articles about it. There are people out there that are, are, Doing what we do and educating based on certain, I mean, to us, it's real estate and it's our world, but in the world, in the grand scheme of thing, it's niched, right? And there's only, but a lot of people love it and want to know it. So they go and you can learn about it. Self-education is, is really paramount today. Uh, and I found that the more I've always self-educated myself on topics, the more I've grown personally and professionally. So, so that's really the wave of kind of the future. So Coming here, and I'll, I'll round this back out and come back to your original question, coming here and having the opportunity to come to PodMax and talk about what we do and like educating, having the opportunity to potentially educate an investor, not only on how to convert if they just have a standard 401k or an IRA and like, oh, I'd love to get into something like that. But my financial advisor tells me I can't. Well, you can't because he doesn't want to take his assets under management down and have you bring it somewhere else. So again, I could go on for days about different topics on that, but at the end of the day, um, showing people an alternative way to grow either retirement funds or wealth to get them to their goals is, is truly what we want to do. And if, and just educating people about that, uh, it, that's like contribution for me and whether they, someone invests with me after I spend time in educating them or something like that. Great. If they don't and they invest with someone else, great. It's not about me. It's about them. So that's how we view our business. And, what's and that's the, why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's great. You weren't always in this real estate investment world. Uh, you spent a great deal of time as a sports guy, yeah. right? Working for ESPN. Yeah. Trying in front of the camera, but mostly behind the camera. Yes. So great deal of time might be heavy, but, uh, it was about a year of my life, right? Oh, <laughs> it felt longer. Yeah, I don't know. It did. No, it did. Uh, I went to school for broadcast journalism and, uh, got out of college. And that was like the first real job. And, um, it, when you work at ESPN as a production assistant, it's actually a temporary position to start. Uh, and if there are people who are from ESPN listening to this, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's, it was a, it was a great community. It was, it was an, it was awesome. I mean, who doesn't want, I mean, for, for most you know, guys that love sports, like who wouldn't want to watch sports and cut highlights for sports center as a job? I mean, 
it's awesome. You watch sports for a living. And uh, it was great. And, you know, once the notoriety of everything wears off, I mean, you're literally, this is when Sports Center was Sports Center too, with Dan Patrick and Stuart Scott and Linda Cohn, all these, like, you know, uh, uh, all these heavyweights. Royalty. And the, yeah, pretty much. I mean, the guys that pretty much started the place. Um, they, you know, it, it begins to wear off. And because your, your schedule, here I am, a 22 year old kid, right? So working nights and weekends. You know, that, think about when sports are. It's nights, weekends, holidays. And I was 22 at the time. I didn't care. Um, but it started to grind on me a little bit. And what was your schedule? My schedule was 6 at night to about 2 a.m. So it was, uh, it, and that's why it was a grind. Like, you didn't have a normal life. You couldn't associate with people or build circles outside of work. Your circle of friends was work. So work was social, social was work. And that just really started to get to me a little bit. Second part of it was, like, I started noticing, you know, guys who were twice my age at the time. I mean, in the mid-40s, they got young families, and they're working the same shifts I am. And I started thinking at that point, I'm like, look, I know I'm not close to wanting or having a family yet, but if I go down this path, that's, that's going to be my life. Is that what I want? So, and then the third part of it was, like you had mentioned, I wanted to be in front of the camera, you know, and I always thought I'd be at, a, like, a news channel or something like that, or being on the sports desk, and... Funny enough, quick story, uh, I had worked on this show called RPM Tonight, um, and I traveled with the show a couple of times, and I believe it was Fontana, California. Um, I grabbed the, you know, in, in that business, in order to, to build a tape, you have to have a, a resume tape, so you have to have, you know, stand-ups and reads and things like that. In front of the camera. In front of the camera. So I told the cameraman, hey, would you help me build a tape? He's, because you were behind the camera. Because I was behind the scenes. I was okay, in fine. production. Production. But you're like, hey, I'm going to use this opportunity to try to get some some uh, mock footage of myself and, and send it out. 100%. And I don't know okay. where that fo- mock footage went uh, to this day, which is probably a lie. I have it somewhere, and I'd probably embarrassed to watch it. However. So you pull the camera guy. Pull the camera guy out. We're down in the pits. It was, a, it was an indie car race. And uh, we're standing in front of the pits. Guys are working on the car behind me. And uh, he's like, all right, here's the, here's the mic. And it had the stick flag, said ESPN on it. So we start recording, and all of a sudden, a crowd starts developing behind him because they don't know who I am. All they see is ESPN. And I froze like a deer in headlights. And at that, at that minute, I knew. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I didn't know why. Maybe I was just too young. I didn't have enough experience. But I froze. I, I stuttered. I had rehearsed this for over a week in the mirror in my apartment. What do you remember about the dialogue you rehearsed? Can you give us a little, uh, a little impression there? Um... Uh, oh, God. It was something along the lines of, um, if I can remember it clearly, it was like, you know, uh, the car behind me, the number 42, uh, whatever it was, is a, uh, you know, they had to experience some difficulty in practice with their tires, and they're switching their tire compound to a, uh, a different set of tires, and they're hoping that can, um, you know, again, I'm butchering it now. Yeah, of course. Right? And now doing it in front of people who think you work for ESPN, and you're butchering through it. You're like, I, nah, I just, I couldn't do it. I didn't like it. Didn't like the feeling, didn't like any of it, and I was like, Eh. So that was that was kind of the end of that. And it what was, was the realization though for you? Like, I that I didn't. Um, I think at that point in my life, um, certainly the self-limiting beliefs just clobbered me. Right at that point. Now, I, look, reflecting back on it, but at that time, I just lived in fear of it, and I, I, it was something I didn't think I could get get over. Uh, in college, I would read off a teleprompter and stuff like that. That was easy for me. You know, it's like okay, I could read off, I can type a script and read something off a teleprompter, or I can assemble a news package or a story. That was easy. But doing live shots, things like that, that's that's paramount in that business. You have to be able to do it. If you don't, you're out. 
But now, when that happened, up until that point, you, because I come from the acting and film world, so I know what that is like to perform and want that attention and want that gratification and want that experience uh, and all the all the demons that come along with that too, naturally. Um, but up until that point, you had that vision for yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna ride into the sunset as yeah. this. However, you told yourself. But from that moment. That must have been devastating for you to have to re-identify? To a degree. Um, to a degree to sit there and be like, eh. I mean, I didn't take it and say, oh, my God, my life is over kind of thing. It was more along the lines of, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> you know? So it's okay. like, all right, well, if I don't think I can do the, the, the camera thing. And then the other part of it was, like, I was living in central Connecticut which was, you know, as a 22-year-old, was like, okay, this isn't really what, you know, all my friends are back in Boston going out and having a grand old time, you know, going out into the city and, and having fun. And I'm stuck in central Connecticut. Granted, I had a great group of friends and still to this day have one of my closest friends um, from working there. Um, so a couple of them, I should say. Um, and, you know, to go to an even smaller market, I have to go out to like the middle of Wisconsin or the middle of Delaware somewhere. And it's like, I just, the more I started looking at it, aside from not having it to be able to produce in front of a camera to make that life change and go to a smaller market like that, it's just like, yeah, I already had my taste of something small. It was central Connecticut. And I didn't want any more of it. So what'd you do with your life from that after so, ESPN? So funny enough, I actually, while I was at ESPN, and all this is all kind of culminating, all these thoughts and, and these experiences in front of the camera, this all happened probably in the, the fall of 01, 02. And right around that time, I read the famous purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, and it spoke to me uh, in the sense that, you know, I didn't, I didn't come from a lot, right? You know, my, my dad's an electrician. My mom was a secretary. And they taught me everything that they knew and love and humor and especially self-deprecation. Um, you know, they passed on everything they could. I was incredibly grateful for what they passed on to me. Hard work. Um, but there was no financial education. And, you know, th- I don't think we got that as a family because you know, they just did the best that they could. You know, as a parent myself now, like, what do you do? You do the best with what you got, you know? So um, that was the way we grew up, and it was robbing Peter to pay Paul. So, like, reading this book, it was just talking to me. And I had a friend, a very well, probably my childhood best friend's dad, who was very successful in business. And every now and again, like, growing up, even through high school, even post-college, you know, I'd go over there and we would talk and, like— like things would just click. We'd talk business. He'd give me little insights. He, he's still one of my mentors today, uh, which is awesome. So that book just resonated a lot with me. And, and the financial education piece clicked to me because I was, it would, to me it was like, like if I'm going to go anywhere in life, I need to be able to understand this um, and move forward with it. And it ignited something in me. And I ended up moving back home to Boston. And I landed after about a, oh, six months or so to a year, I landed in mortgage finance. Uh, and that was my true start of my financial education. I spent 10 years sitting across the table from, from you know, people discussing the largest asset in their lives uh, and how they're and, and you see just, just such a wide range of people from you know, people who did very well, ran multiple businesses and uh, were doing different things with their monies uh, to people who were just, you know, struggling and just needing to do another cash out refinance to pay off the credit card debt because they went out and ran up a bunch of nonsense bills on their credit card. Um, so that was just, you know, income, assets, liabilities, credit um, and working with real estate investors, people who are buying 
multifamilies um, and looking at it from the cash flow perspective. And again, that, that next light bulb went off for me. And I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. So I spent about a decade uh, doing that and uh, eventually got my salesperson's license because I was in and out of so many real estate offices. Um, one of my dad's close friends growing up was one of the top agents in our town. So I had talked to her. I had been getting business from her. She was probably my best uh, referral uh, agent. And I talked to her. I said, you know, what if I got my license? And she's like, you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you want to do this. Why? Like, well, because if the day ends in why and you're selling real estate, like you're working. And I'm like, okay, that's fine by me. Like I kind of do that now anyway. So I was okay with that. So she kind of taught me the ropes of selling residential real estate. And a couple of years later, we started, um, you know, with my dad, my dad was an electrician. So he grew up in the, I grew up in the trades, summers, breaks, all that. I was working construction. And so being on job sites and construction was like, in my blood. I love it. And uh, I ended up really getting, uh, you know, this is through, uh, probably through the downturn, um, I had started to learn the development side of the business. So, and flipping and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, I, I yeah, this is really, like, I felt it. it. It just pulled me in that direction. So, and, you know, I didn't have any money to speak of to do it. So I had to find out and figure out, well, how do I, how do I do this? And my, my friend of mine, John, who's my existing business partner at Capital Equity Partners. Um, we've known each other since the, the early mortgage days. Uh, he had owned the mortgage company that I held my license under. And, I, and he had done a couple of uh, flips in in South Boston, taken a, a three-family and converted into condos and out. And, you know, I started to see the results. And I'm like, why aren't we making this a business? Like, so we got educated, you know, point number one, we got educated. And number two, we took action. And we started syndicating deals before we even knew really what syndication was. And, you know, probably did a ton of things wrong when we first started, but now we know the right things to do. And that's just morphed. And you just learn and you, and you get better. And you learn and you get better. Uh, and then we pivoted into more of a cash flow uh, type of scenario. And now we're in multifamily. We're looking to build multifamily. So we're just continuing to up the game. And that's, that's kind of my story. And it all revolves around financial education because I feel like the more I've learned about not only, you know, starting with the basics, then, you know, adjusting to uh, understanding the physical asset of real estate, number one, and how that, and, and then development, but investing and, and how investors look at risk and, um, and then moving into self-directed and you know, IRAs and, and how people invest using different vehicles. So, and, and that is just something of mine where I feel like I have a solid knowledge base of, and I want to share that with people. Uh, and that's a big reason for me to be here today too, is educating my investors um, or educating anybody for that matter about how to take money where someone doesn't think that they're an investor and actually be like, no, you are an investor and there are other options for you aside from just setting it and forgetting it in, in the stock market and some fund that you have no idea what you're doing. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, 
Jones, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about PodMax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next PodMax event. You've used the word education uh, liberally, Thank right? You. Which oh, is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I, know how, I know how important yeah. that is to you. Education and then taking action. That's obviously a winning formula mm-hmm. for anybody in any regard listening who is uh, identified as a human being, really. Right. Right. That's going to get you any level of success that you want. Educate and then take action on that. But there's also a certain level of confidence required for that. Were you always the type of person that you were driven, you were a go-getter, you wanted something, you just educated and took action on it? Or did you have to grow it? No. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Always no, that for person. Sure. For sure. Like If it's something that I had wanted or I had a feeling I wanted to go towards, I would just do it. And if I, like, it's almost like the TV thing. Right. So it's like, I bring it back to that story. And it's like, I know, I'll know in a, in a, in a, in an instant, if I think it's something that I, I will like and I'll be good at, uh, or if it's something that it's just, it's no, it's not me. It's not what I'm meant to be. It's not what I'm like. It's, it's not my, it's not my path. Uh, and with television, I just, I knew it. I just, it was, it was immediate to me. And I have no, I, I've, I generally like to think that I, I research a lot. And I, like I said, educate. And my wife would, will tell you, like, I will take two nights of researching winter coats before I go buy one. Like, that's how ridiculous I can be sometimes. Just because, like, well, I, I want to buy the right one. I want to do the right thing. I, I want to know all my options and I want to know the positives of, and negatives of everything and then make my educated guess or take action based on my education of that. So, but it's important to say you take two nights to do this, which is fine, instead of somebody who might take two years to make such a decision. Oh, well, right. Right? <laughs> right, right, right. So there is something good about, yeah, you're, you're, you're doing your due diligence. Yes. But, and then you're, you're making the decision. Yes, absolutely. So I've, I've, I'm always, I've, I just learned from growing up, like, like understand what you're doing before you do it. You know, so it's like measure twice, cut once. And, and I kind of apply the same thing through kind of most things that I do. I'm sure there are things out there that someone uh, that knows me would be like, you didn't do it then. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to sit there and say I, I do it all the time, right? But but for big things and and real estate is in my career in real estate is is one of them um, that I, I mean I take it very seriously and um, I because I think you know being the steward of somebody's capital is an incredibly like it's a powerful and and it's it's empowering to know that you have the financial um, responsibility for someone else's capital. And it's a great responsibility to be able to take care of that. And, and so you have to be educated. You have to know what you're doing in order to do that. So having the, the my confidence will come out because of the fact that I do educate myself and I learned from, you know, everyone makes mistakes, but failing forward and taking those lessons and applying it to make yourself better, make your product better, um, to make your investors experience better uh, and hopefully get their returns better. So you became this 
confident, strong person. Uh, it sounded like you had a um, a supportive, loving, nurturing childhood absolutely. that set the foundation absolutely. for all this. Yes, absolutely. What was life like growing up for you? Um, it was great. My my mom and dad were. I mean, they were awesome. They're the best. Um, my dad instilled hard work. Right, electrician uh, was self employed for a little bit, and you know, funny enough. You know, you always look back when you get older, you reflect back to your childhood and you think about the lessons that have conditioned you to how you are today. Um, I remember when I first started my companies, um, my dad is, he was probably the best, the hardest worker you'll ever meet. And I get my charisma, I get my personality, like it is him. Like even if I want to know when I look like when I'm 77, I'll look at him. Granted, he's a smoker, I'm not. So it'll look a little different. <laughs> Be that as it may, I mean, a lot of things. So my personality, like my outgoingness, my, 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 uh, my charisma, all comes really from him and watching how he interacted with people. So I would be with him and he'd be interacting with, you know, the people who are hiring him to do work or guys on the job site and, and how people respected him. So I love that. And that's where I learned that. My mom, she was... Uh, um, she always, she was the woman who always wanted to stay at home with her kids, um, but she couldn't. And that was tough for her. And so she had to go out and she, you know, she used to love doing floral designs and work, but she, and then, but she couldn't do it anymore because she had to kind of just get her a job to pay for all of us growing up. So money was always tight in our house growing up. It was Rob Peter to pay Paul. And um, I, by no means... What, it was my situation, you know, look, there's plenty of people who've had worse situations than I had, but this is just my experience growing up. And so it's like, I knew at a young age, like, you know, arguments and things like that about money. And I never wanted that. And like, I look back at that and I say, that's one of the things that kind of drove me when I finally got a chance. And I read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it just clicked. It's like, cause I always never wanted that. And, and I, and you know, I didn't want those arguments uh, about money. I wanted to know more about money. I wanted to have a financial education. I wanted to make the, the smart moves. Um, so that's, that was the catalyst. But growing up, I mean, obviously my parents were always there for us. Sports, you know, playing baseball, football, track. Um, they were so supportive. Like our house was like the community house. The, our back door to this day is not locked. If you know where I live, you know, <laughs> so it's. Like friends just walk in. It's, it's, you know, they ask, they say, hey, Mrs. Shanna, can I get, you know, can I have this? Like, why are you asking me? Just go to the refrigerator and get it. Like, that's how our house was. It was just my parents were, were everybody's favorite, especially my father. Um, it, everybody loved my dad because he was the, my dad was like the party guy. So everybody loved Chuck. And, uh, but yeah, so watching my father work, he also started his own business and just because you're a hard worker doesn't mean that you're a good businessman. And I watched that business fail and the action, yeah, and, and, and the, the toll it took kind of on our, on our family. And these are realizations that you assemble over a certain period of years. You don't know it at the time. Um, so knowing what I was told about, um, that failure always gave me, um, always gave me pause and this is a reason why I educate myself so much before I take action. I'm going to take action because that's my personality. But education before action is the result of knowing that you can be a hard worker, but if you don't understand the business aspects and the, and the pushes and the pulls and operating an actual business, then how can you be a business owner and run a successful business? 
So all of that, I mean, that's just kind of a real high level how I see I grew up and what influenced me and conditioned me to the point of where I am today. First of all, uh, the quote, just because you're a hard worker doesn't make you a good business person. That's that's like mind blown. It's that's that's the core of everything we're saying here, and I think ties into who you've become yeah. today. That's just amazing. Uh, I want to talk about the entrance of uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad yeah. into your world, simply because you didn't go looking for it, right? It sort no. of came to you. However, from everything we've heard, there was that from growing up with a lack of finances and a. A, a true desire to never be in that per, in that world mm -hmm. as an adult it just it, it it came to you but it was almost destined yeah. to right talk to me about that what you believe about that you know i'm i'm a pretty spiritual guy um i am i believe there are always signs right along your path and um for me you know it took a while for me to actually see and understand um, kind of how that all kind of worked. I mean, it's part of maturing, right? So back in 2001 or two, when I bought the book, there were no, there was no Amazon, you know, I had to go to, I think it was Barnes and Noble or whatever was at the mall. Um, and, and I never read, like growing up, I wasn't a, I wasn't a great reader. Um, and, but when I was just kind of in that aisle, like I was drawn into the, the, like the finance book aisle. Oh, still not sure what you're looking for, but, but you were just yeah, drawn to just find kinda, something. Yes, yes. Okay. And, and I don't know if I asked someone or if, if the book was just kind of prominent because it was you know, a bestseller and it was just out there and the rich dad, poor dad, it just, it, the title, I mean, genius, right? It just, it hit me and I'm like, what's that about? So, and I just picked it up and, and bought it and I was like, wow, like, it, and so that started it. Like that was the, that was the catalyst for me. And, and it's not like one thing happened immediately because of the other, because of the other, there's plenty of gray matter in between different things. Right. But eventually my path just kind of kept going down. The more educated I got financially, the more I found myself being pulled in a direction that I wanted, I wanted to embody you know, the results that these books talk about. They talked about real estate and I loved real estate. I was always around real estate. Like I remember growing up, you know, on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon, we'd get in the car if we went and got ice cream, then we'd just drive around neighborhoods. Like we'd go to the beautiful ends of towns or the beautiful neighborhoods and just look at the big, beautiful houses. And I was like, wow, could you imagine living in this kind of neighborhood? This would be amazing. And so we would just gawk at all the beautiful houses. So always, and then working on those houses with my father, um, it just always drove me to like, it just, it was an in, innate. So when rich dad, poor dad talked about real estate, it was just kind of click, click, click. And eventually I landed in mortgages. I was like, yeah, this is, this is kind of cool. I'd love to be, you know, I thought it was kind of cool to be a broker and, and understand finances and then to really get that education and understand um, you know, the, the building blocks of really how the real world works. While you were being pulled in this direction yeah. from early 2000s, was there ever a sense of fear, concern, struggle, unknown? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you're not human if you're not, if you're not scared, you know, it's, it's a, it's a primal instinct. So no matter what you do, and, and usually it's, when you try to go do something that has risk to it and you're not educated to that risk, um, consciously, um, 
that's where fear can creep in. Now, for a lot of people, that's what holds a lot of people back, holds me back at times just from doing silly little things. It's like, uh, like, trust me, I got down days, right? So, uh, you know, there are days where I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen in this market. I don't know this. I don't know that. But then it's like, it's all just little bullshit lies that you keep telling yourself. So how do you overcome? Yeah. Um, you, just, you, you have to, you have to have the ability to, to really self-analyze, right? Look at where your thought process is and say to yourself like, okay, look, what's, what's actually happening here and say, all right, these are just, these are just complete lies and fabrications that I'm telling myself, um, because I'm, I'm scared and it's just fear. So at the end of the day, you know what you're doing, just go do it. And, and if you fail, learn from your failures, but keep going. Right. So it's about if you have your, if, you know, it's, it's, it's that whole, uh, it's a circle, right. Where, you know, you've got your beliefs and, you know, then you've got your, you want to take action on those beliefs and then you'll, you know, whether you fail or succeed, that'll reinforce those beliefs. So if you fail and you fail and you fail, you're going to just stop doing what you're trying to do. Case in point, standing in front of a camera with a microphone. Um, but if you're, if you have a clear goal and your clear goal is, you know, real estate, um, helping investors, um, understand and, and, and uh, invest into real estate, um, then, and that's your goal, then you, and you see the actual overall benefit of it, then, you know, I don't care if I continue to fail, I'll just keep changing my approach and, and take my approach and, um, until, until it succeeds. So it's like having a clear goal and taking massive action until I, until I succeed. That's, that's the, that's it. Like to me, that's it. I love so much about everything we've covered here. Looking back on the the through line here and the thread and the topics of discussion, what would you say is the point that the listener needs to be left with? What's been unsaid? What do they need to to have to take with them? So there's I would think no matter what, whether you know it's real estate centric, if it's business centric, um all of us as just human beings have the same, like our, our how do I say this? Um, we're all going to experience fear, fear of the unknown, all right? And whether you're starting a new business, a, a new tech business, or you're starting a new real estate venture, um, educate yourself and, and then take action. Um, you can only educate yourself for so much. And if you have to understand yourself and understand if you keep making excuses and, and not taking action, it's because of fear. And you have to be able to recognize that fact that if you keep giving yourself excuses and you're not doing what you know you should be doing, it's, it's, it's just fear. Just, just do it. Um, but I always say educate before you take action. And then if it's truly something you want and you fail, try some, you know, try a different try a different method. Um, so if anything, if, if anyone takes anything out of that is, uh, out of this conversation, like I would say, yeah, that's it. I mean, just understand yourself, understand your processes and, and educate yourself and take action. Uh, that's it. I guess that's it. <laughs> that's, that's plenty. That's, I will leave you with this final question. Andrew Shenna, how would you like to be remembered? Ooh, Wow. Um, I want to be remembered as someone who worked their ass off 
uh, to be able to give back to others and to his family. Chilling, beautiful, yeah. amazing. Well, there you have it. Um, how can people follow up with you and keep this dialogue going? Um, if people want to reach out to me, they can go to the website. It's um, CAP, C-A-P is in profit, equitypartners.com. Um, there's a phone number there you can uh, uh, that you can contact me on. And um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Obviously, I'm out there on Facebook, too. Um, so, uh, But Facebook, I... I'm a terrible Facebooker. Uh, sometimes I post, sometimes I don't. I, I have a bunch of friend requests. I'm like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I need to be better at social media. And coming here is the beginning of me being better with social media and, and reaching out to more people. That's amazing. Damn, yeah. You are amazing. Thank, thank you. you, sir, for Dude, thank uh, you. showing up and opening up as you did. Really, really strong, powerful message and a strong, powerful human being, oh, thank you. which apparently from a very young age you were. Some of us not so <laughs> lucky, but uh, I'm here now. You're here now. That's and uh, we're all the same, aren't we? Hey, dude, aren't we all just... It, it, it is. No, we're all the same. We're just doing our best. At 1,000%. Spinning on this uh, on this earth. We just just do what you can and live with gratitude and, and, you know, give back to others. And when you give back, you'll get. This is great. Awesome. Thank you so dude, much. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.